Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Howdy, howdy. Hey. How are we doing? Good, man. How are you? All righty. All right. Let me know when we're starting. Oh, we always start. There's never a when we're starting. It's always just rolling. (laughs) Cool. All right, man. Well, thank you so much today for hanging out with me on TPQ20. Uh, We always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. So if you were to give us the bio that will not be on the back cover of Melodies of the Oppressed uh, in 2023, who would you say you are? Yeah, I've been waiting to answer this one for a while because <laughs> uh, I am a big fan of the podcast, by the way, as you know, but the listeners may not. Uh, I am Chris L. Butler. I'm a Black American and Dutch poet. But beyond that, what wouldn't be on the back of my book is that I'm a former college athlete. Uh, I love to travel. I'm an anime fan. I love basketball. If you haven't noticed by some of my tweets, those who follow me. And I would say that I actually do want to write fiction someday. I'm just not in a hurry to. (laughs) All right. Gives us a few places to start with. Uh, College athlete, huh? Yeah. Now, uh, so now what some people might not know out there in podcast land is you and I have known each other for a few years. So I know a little bit of background and context and some of these things. Uh, so you were absolutely a college athlete, but uh, it's not necessarily a sport that we would think of right away. No. So uh, like, you know, from your writing, one might think you were a basketball player. Uh, <laughs> I know that you, you know, you, you definitely are a football fan uh sometimes i know we uh, we argue a little bit about baseball here and there but uh so tell us uh, what was your sport of choice so i went to xavier university for a few years where i got my uh, associate's degree and when i was a freshman there i had the opportunity to walk on the crew team for those who don't know what crew is uh-huh, you can walk rope. on water look at that yeah right <laughs> and i wrote sacrilegious but yeah I really wanted to do that in high school um, but I was busy with a bunch of other things other sports and that sort of stuff and yeah I the opportunity presented itself and I was like you know what You, you it's not necessarily something that you have to play for a long time you know you it's more of a technique so I was just like I know I have the athletic shape I'm in the athletic shape why not try? And I, and I made it and I was on a men's four and a men's eight. Nice. So what, what having, you know, having come away from that, what are some of the things you learned um, about the dedication needed uh, to, you know, be, be at the top of a sport? What I learned is if you're from the South or California, you have an advantage. I was at the school in Ohio at that time, um, despite having ties to the South. I was not in the South at that time. And when we rode schools against schools like Texas or Florida, you could tell that they had been on the water all year, you know, and we were not when the lake froze, you know, when, uh, <laughs> the Ohio River froze, I should say. 
<laughs> we were not uh, able to do so. So we had to do a lot of indoor techniques. And I didn't realize that, you know, a big chunk of your year long season is just being in the weight room and inside on the rowing machines and all that good stuff. All right. So we'll ask the obvious question. Uh, how do you equate that to writing? What do you take from being yeah. on a rowing team and the dedication needed and knowing that there are the pitfalls of having a frozen river there and having to move elsewhere? What are the lessons you brought from that into the world of writing? So writing as a joke, writing is a lot like rowing where, you know, the water is cold. The writing world can sometimes also be cold <laughs> when you get a, a bunch of rejections, but just like rowing, you have to build up, you know, your calluses and get in the water or get in the, get your pen out and write whatever you're doing and just keep going. It, it is a tech, both things have a technique. And I, and I realize that now when you ask me more than I've ever thought about it, but it is a technique based thing. And you, you have to get your thousand hours or your 10,000 hours. If you have the time and you're lucky, you really just have to put that dedication in. Well, and you know, it's, it's, you know, some might say that they're both alike as well because neither can make you a living for the most part. That is true. And they're both alike because if you go to Harvard, you might be better off. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So I always like to ask about like those catalyst poets. So when you were like a little kid, what are those memories? Who is that author or those authors or that book where you were like, all right, I really like how these words sound. Maybe I should at least try to put some together. Who was uh, was there? Uh, was there a certain author? Maybe somebody that was read to you, or or somebody you knew along the way. You know, I really, as a kid, I really liked Shel Silverstein. Nice. Um, that's funny. Just, that's not. That's uh, that's two in a row for for good old Shel Silverstein on here. So it'll be that'll be fun. Well, I think a light in the attic has come up uh, quite a bit lately. So that's awesome. Nice. I thought he was special because, you know, he made poetry fun, but I'm also a visual artist. I don't pursue it in the way I pursue writing, but I am a visual artist. And so was he, I believe, with the illustrations. So I always thought that was kind of cool and, and different than other books I was reading. Of course, you have that with Seuss, but that's like when you're more of a toddler kind of thing and, you know, early childhood ed. But I really liked Shell. Um, by the time I was 11, though, I really liked Langston Hughes, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, but I was also writing a lot of raps as well as a kid. So I, I'm just as much influenced by Jay-Z, Ludacris, MF Doom, Nas, Biggie. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and obviously, um, you know, Blurred. So your first chat book, uh, kind of dives into these influences. So um, you kind of get that 90s background from there. And I've talked to a few poets uh, over over the last couple of years about that kind of that borderline of, po of poetry and hip hop and kind of where things connect and where they don't connect. Um, yes. Who, we'll start with who, who would you consider to be like an example of uh, of an MC who would also be considered a poet? Sure. I'm going to use contemporary rappers because Perfect. I've named kind of some OGs that already fit that category. Right. Um, you know, I think Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, Joey okay. Badass, um, Rhapsody. I definitely want to mm. include some of the ladies. You know, I, I believe uh, some of the rappers that you don't hear about as much, like Add 2-2 two, two, 
or Clear Soul Forces, that's a group. Um, but also your Andre 3000s, you know, I, I really feel that hip hop and poetry are, are cousins. And, and I think they have the same grandmother, mm. you know, right. and, and, and that's a love that grandmother is a lyricist, a love of rhyme, but also a love of imagery and storytelling, you know. And I think, of course, you have your your KRS ones who kind of paved the way. Right. But you, you you also just have like a lot of newer MCs who are coming up and and MCs who are coming back, like Absol, who hasn't made yeah. an album for maybe six, seven years, who I've always been a fan of because of his he I I he's like a genre bender. You know, mm -hmm. you've got oh, yeah. your esoteric philosophy, but your poetry and your rap in there. Where does where for you does the line connect? Like what what crosses over from being just a rap song to being mm -hmm. uh, maybe even the kind of the trifecta of being a rap song to being a hip hop song to being poetry? Like, is there yeah. a, is is there a difference between a rap song and a hip hop song? And and then where do we get to that more? I mean, kind of you kind of said you know went the way of like imagery on that last one. Is there a place where it, where it crosses the line and becomes kind of that final poem? So for the rap versus hip hop question, I think it depends on who you ask. I'm a middle millennial. So I would say, yeah, because I also believe R&B is a part of hip hop. All right. You know, and, and, and it was like rap, R&B, and then hip hop maybe is like the umbrella over it for me. Just, you know, but somebody else might say, no, R&B is not hip hop. You know, like my mom who loves Motown <laughs> or something, you know, oh, yeah. uh, she would say differently. You know, so I think it, it depends on who you ask. Um, as far as the question of rap, when is rapping not poetic? I don't want to throw any shade at any rappers because I do like these rappers. I, I think Tyler, Tyler, the creator, uh, and Quavo are great rappers. Like, All right. no one's doing what they're doing as far as their sound, as far as their aesthetic, even their flow and their ability to manipulate. Mm -hmm. And and I think that is a much stronger thing that when you look at them individually, other people can't do that. Well, and I think there's do. also I think there's also like especially with Tyler the Creator, there's such a where where maybe there's not the like a, a poetic structure. There's a narrative structure there. Like you look at exactly. the Wolf, and there's such a there's such a narrative to every album he puts out, and it's it goes even exactly. beyond like a concept album. It's a real like it's a story. He's actually telling you a story throughout an album. So I like yeah. that. Yeah, wow. storytelling is just as important. I just right. don't know if their rapping is as poetic as a Kendrick Lamar. And and some of that is also pr production. Like hmm. if you put Kendrick Lamar on his Beethoven beat, he'll probably sound more like the Migos, you know, than if you put him on a beat by Ali, which are the beats that he usually raps on, you know, like that's going to be more of a jazzy type, you know? So I do think production also aids the rapper. So I like that, like the idea of, uh, you know, like a, a sonic piece to that, that poetic. Uh, that mm -hmm. poetic element like it's nice to hear that like that background noise in there that music what's actually moving the song forward because it really can i mean you know you you wonder like i you know, as a musician i always wonder is the same you know are the same lyrics and for me somebody who's way more focused on the lyrics than I ever was music 
you know, those same lyrics on a different type of music, does it make the same impact on anybody? You know, if you get, if you get mm -hmm. the Beatles, if you get the Beatles yesterday over like, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd say like a, I mean, he's pretty good over like a danger mouse track, but like, if you get, if you get like the Beatles yesterday over like a, you know, grateful dead song, like, yeah. does it inspire the same type of, of movement and sound do the same people go for that? And I think, I mean, one of the things I love about poetry, especially the last few years of poetry that there's so much genre bending, uh, mm -hmm. shout out to bending genres, uh, but there's hey. so much genre bending out there right now that poetry seems to cross a lot of lines. Um, and it, it's mm -hmm. really fun to watch more and more poets move toward like, um, you know, like the, the Clint Smith, Donnie Rose, Hanif world of reporting uh, about what's going on uh, and, and using their poetic, you know, their poetic form and their style to kind of influence the media approach to things. Uh, yeah, you, some some of my yeah. favorite poets are genre benders, you know, like Claudia Rankine, Jose Angel Aragues. Uh, I'm I wouldn't say this person is a favorite, but I'm I'm beginning to read Eduardo Galeano. Okay, and I do think he's a, a very much like a journalist and a poet at the same time. You know, nice. Well, and I know you have spent a lot of time uh, writing a lot of nonfiction out there. Um, you do, you, you write a lot of, of personal essays, a lot of essays about culture and influence and what's going on in the world around us. Uh, you work, you work, for, do some work for Afros in the city. So we know that you, you know, you have an eye for what is going on around you as well. How do you feel that poetry and uh, poetry and kind of the world of nonfiction writing at large, how do you feel uh, they link up? Is there space for the same you know, do they have room? Can they share? Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I think they not only can share, but they can share where you can't tell they're sharing and they can hmm. share where you clearly can, you know? Okay. And, and what I mean by that is like Citizen by Claudia Rankin. I just mentioned her. Like, it is very much a nonfiction book, but it's also meditation and it's also poetic, right? Hmm. Okay. And, and and there's pictures too. So it's also photo essay, you know? Right. And and I think that's a great example of a book. It's almost 10 years old. So I, I probably should find a newer book as well. But <laughs> but it, it is one of my favorite books and, and and it's highly recommended by so many people yeah. of all walks. Oh, it's an absolute it's a it, it was a classic when it came out. It's a classic right. now. It's amazing. Um I like to ask a lot of timeline questions. Uh, Blurred came out, uh, what well, we're looking at about three years ago now. Almost. Um, almost. This is yeah. 2021. All right. Perfect. So we're looking, yeah, we're almost, we're, we're getting close to there. We've got Melodies of the Oppressed coming out from Nightingale Sparrow and uh, about in September of 23. Yeah. So Blurred is a very different book from what I've seen of Melodies of the Oppressed. Um, yes. How do you get from the, you know, Chris L. Butler in 2018, 19, working your way up to Blurred to, uh, to the 2023 version of, you know, Chris L. Butler with Melodies of the Oppressed? Where, yeah. how, who, are, who are you then versus now? So great question. I actually wrote them both uh, the same year. Okay. Um, now, I've, of course, revised Melodies of the Oppressed over time, but yeah, I wrote them both in the same year. So there, I would say 
they're both the same me. Ooh, ooh, then um, I'm going to revise this question real quick. Yeah. Since you did write them around the same time, uh, and since it's been, you've spent a few years working through this and revising and, and resubmitting in different forms, um, is it finally the you who you want as an author? And do you feel I, that this book is, how do you feel this book differs from Blurred? So I think it always was the me. I think the differences I've added more than I've subtracted um, because there are other melodic poems that came along the way that I'm like, oh, well, this this clearly belongs here, you know? So whatever this book gets accepted, uh, at that point, that's how I was thinking. Whenever this book gets accepted for publication, I will just add them if they let me make changes. Right. And that's and kind of what happened. And, and has it and has it changed along the way since it was? I mean, have you have you written more, or has there been room to include other pieces that you weren't necessarily, you know, considering or hadn't yet written when this was submitted? I think I wrote like ninety five percent of it already two okay. years ago, um, almost three years ago. But I re I just really needed to. Sometimes poems come to you later. Hmm. And, and it's like, oh, you know, I'm sure if I were to take Melodies of the Oppressed later down the line and turn it into a, a, some of the poems into a full length manuscript, I might go wider with the concept of social justice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was always there. It just more like more was added, yeah. Okay, so and and you got you looked out with Nightingale and Sparrow. Uh, Juliet obviously were, uh, wrote did some some awesome review work for a poetry question for a long time. So uh, I've known I've known Juliet for a bit, and Nightingale and Sparrow is one of those really cool up and coming presses um, who has really made quick work at at building a name um, <laughs> as your as, as your dog as your dog would agree. Uh, so that's really awesome to see that coming up. Um, as we kind of shift toward toward the ending here, who are you reading these days? Like, what are you really excited about? Um, you know, current and and you know, if we we've already gone back a decade now or so with Claudia Rankin. Uh, who are you reading that's getting you excited? Who's out there? Who are you focused on? Yeah. So I do want to before I answer that question, I want to answer the question that you asked me about blurred and how hmm. how. Oh. That, how I went from that to that because yeah. yes, yes, they wrote them at the same time, but there was a choice to why I went with two completely different directions. And I think, you know, I actually wrote Melodies of the Oppressed first and at least most of the poems first because I was going through the things I was going through with, you know, COVID, not having it, but the pandemic and, right. you know, being away from family and everything with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many other names um, and, you know, Kenosha and the election and all these different things just happening at once. I just felt like it needed to come out. And I had already kind of been heading in this direction because I wrote a couple I met at Trump poems in the beginning of his presidency. Right. Um, but I also actually it was Kalisa Ray who's a great friend of mine, who said, I want you to also make room to write poems about joy. Uh, you know, oh, okay. you're writing a lot of poems about our pain, 
but also make room for Black joy, you know? And I, I really appreciated that because she kind of gave me permission to also get out of my head and write about some of the other parts of my life that right. have, have been great, you know? And and I needed to hear that. So I, I kind of wrote both at the same time because I was feeling these things simultaneously. Well, and you had, I mean, and you also, you know, we can't, we obviously can't forget about sacrilegious in the middle there. So, which is kind of like to me, it's kind of like uh, like Blurred's older cousin. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a it's a, a step toward more of the the social justice piece, um, and kind of moving toward where you're heading with Melodies of the Oppressed. I think that really yeah. is a good. It was a good stepping stone. It's interesting to know that all three of those really were written, you know, at the same at the same time as you're putting together. You know, you were able to pull three pieces out of it that each mm-hmm. feel like their own concept. Yeah, and- sacrilegious is strange. I wrote the first poem <laughs> in sacrilegious in 2012, not knowing it was gonna be in sacrilegious. Mm. Um, and then I didn't do anything with it until 2016. Right. And then I didn't do anything and with, I did like 2016, 2017. And then I didn't do anything with it again till 2019. So it, it kind of happened in a weird sort of way. Right. Yeah. And the Tupac, the 25th anniversary of Tupac's uh, mm. unfortunate murder um, came up and I was like, oh, wow, these, this is an idea that supports these, these, these poems. Well, and it moves in that, I mean, for, you know, knowing your writing, it moves in the direction that you're, you know that you had with with the work outside of poetry it 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 finally really it really blended uh what you were doing what you were doing in the you know the nonfiction and creative nonfiction world with what you'd been doing in the poetry with the erasures and the work with tupac's lyrics and things like that it's a cool it's a cool way to kind of further further your you know your agenda for you know where you see where you see your work heading um, where do I you appreciate see that because yeah. I also was trying to mark my way as an erasurist. <laughs> well, it worked out pretty well. Uh, where do you see yourself heading as a writer post, you know, post melodies? Uh, you know, yeah. what, what does what does a Chris L. Butler do after, you know, three chaps? Uh, where do you it is crazy. It's been a really, <laughs> a really like cool few years for you. Uh, where do you go next? What is what is your uh, you know? Do we see a full? Do we see uh, you know just kind of one offs or uh, you know do we see the great uh, the great novel of the future? So definitely not the great novel of the future anytime no, I will, soon. I will say that uh, that um, you and Luther Hughes both have the same love of anime. Uh, so yes, he we both he love has, Naruto. He has said he will never write uh, he will never write an anime. Uh, poetry book um something and I tells wrote me there's Naruto poem, so i'm the opposite <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say something tells me that you've got some uh that you've got some anime poetry up your sleeve at some point oh, but what yeah. else is that uh, what else is <laughs> uh but yes no great uh, american novel for me anytime soon but i of course melodies of the oppressed september 19th 2023 on all platforms that books are sold, which is really cool um, to say for the first time. Right. I'm also, you're definitely going to see some one-offs as in like poems and essays and that sort of thing. Some, some more book reviews because it's been a while. <laughs> 
And also you're going to see more of my face. And what I mean by that is I'm definitely expanding content creation. So look for uh, some YouTube videos, look for some audio files of poems, and we'll just leave it at there for now. And, and I'll nice. leave that as a sprinkle of a surprise. Love it. So we can't ever end before asking who are you reading out there right now? Who are you excited yes. about? Uh, the last book I read is The Crown Ain't Worth Much by Ooh. Hanif Abdurraqib. So good. Because I had already read it twice and I just needed to read it again. Because, um, yeah, why not? And I'm also really looking forward uh, to this guy named Ryan Holiday. He does this Daily Stoic podcast thing. And he writes a lot of different books about philosophy in the modern world. Very and I'm cool. not sure what the next book is called, but I know it's coming and I want to read that. Um, I always start my year with a self-help book, which sounds mm. corny to say, but yeah. I, I think I'm going to read The Lynchpin. Um, I'm not sure of the author, but I, it's, right. that's the name of the book. It's, nice. it's a bestseller. The author doesn't need me to name there's it. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with a good self-help book to get the year started and refocus. I always do that, man, because you know what? It may sound corny, but I always find a little gem in there for how to be a better artist and, and working artist yeah. in general. So that's why I do it. And I'm also, I also read Rotora by Jose Angel Araguz, which was one of my favorite books in 2022. That was with Black Lawrence Press. Yeah. Black Lawrence has got a, a couple of really, really strong titles coming out over the next year as well. So they're, I, I always love to work with them. Uh, yeah. As that's one of my, they're one of my fun presses as a, as a reviewer that I get, I get a nice little stack from. Uh, they're a, a good place. Yeah. And, and a lot of the poets I admire, you know, not all of them have books. You know, I admire poets like Denzel, Xavier Scott. I admire, uh, poets like Candria Slamman, who just put out a chapbook this year. I'm so proud of her, you know. And then I admire poets who are, I kind of see as my, like, contemporaries, like Danny Stabile, Lynn Schmidt, Anthony Salandi, you know, poets who I think kind of bubbled around the same time I bubbled in 2020 or late 2019 for some of them. And, yeah, I, I, I consider them people that I'm in conversation with, yeah. Nice. I love it. Well, I'm so excited to get uh, to get a hands on Melodies of the Oppressed uh, and see where it goes for you and what comes next for you. Thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ 20 today. It was an absolute pleasure to finally have you on board over here. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to seeing what's to come and sending more and more people your direction. Uh, have a great rest of the night. Appreciate you, Chris. And thanks for all you do for poetry. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.